propositions 160 to 179 of the elements of theology by proclus translated by thomas taylor this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by geoffrey edwards proposition 160 concerning intellect every divine intellect is uniform or has the form of the one and is perfect and the first intellect subsists from itself and produces other intellects for if it is a god it is filled with divine unities and is uniform but if this be the case it is also perfect being full of divine goodness and if this be admitted it is likewise primarily intellect as being united to the gods but being primarily intellect it also gives an hypostasis to other intellects for all secondary natures obtain their hyparxis from such as have a primary subsistence proposition 161 everything which is truly being and is suspended from the gods is divine and imparticipable for since that which is truly being is the first of the natures that participate of the divine union it likewise fills intellect from itself for intellect is being as replete with being and is therefore a divine intelligible and so far indeed as it is deified it is divine but as filling intellect and being participated by it it is intelligible intellect also is being on account of that which is primarily being but that which is primarily being itself is separate from intellect because intellect is posterior to being but imparticipables subsist prior to things which are participated hence being which subsists by itself and is imparticipable is prior to the being which is conjoined with intellect for it is intelligible not as co-arranged with intellect but as perfecting intellect in an exempt manner because it imparts being to it and fills it with truly existing essence proposition 162 every multitude of unities which illuminates truly existing being is occult and intelligible occult indeed as being conjoined with unity but intelligible as participated by being for all the gods are denominated from the things which are suspended from them because from these it is possible to know their different hypostases which are of themselves unknown for everything divine is of itself ineffable and unknown as being connascent with the ineffable one from the difference however of the participants it happens that the peculiarities of divine natures become known 
the unities therefore which illuminate truly existing being are intelligible because being truly so called is a divine intelligible and imparticipable subsisting prior to intellect for this would not be suspended from the first gods unless they also possessed a primary hypostasis and a power perfective of other gods since as participants are to each other so likewise are the hyparxes of the things that are participated proposition one hundred sixty three every multitude of unities which is participated by imparticipable intellect is intellectual for as intellect is to truly existing being so are these unities to the intelligible unities since therefore the latter which illuminate being are intelligible hence the former which illuminate a divine and imparticipable intellect are intellectual yet they are not intellectual in such a way as if they subsisted in intellect but as causally existing prior to intellect and generating intellect proposition 164 every multitude of unities which is participated by every imparticipable soul is supermundane for because imparticipable soul is primarily above the world the gods also which are participated by it are supermundane having the same analogy to the intellectual and intelligible gods which soul has to intellect and intellect to truly existing being as therefore every soul is suspended from intellect and intellect is converted to the intelligible thus also the supermundane are suspended from the intellectual in the same manner as the intellectual from the intelligible gods proposition one hundred sixty five every multitude of unities which is participated by a certain sensible body is mundane for it illuminates the parts of the world through intellect and soul as media for intellect is not present with any mundane body without soul nor are deity and soul conjoined without a medium since participations are through similars intellect itself also according to its intelligible summit participates of unity these unities therefore are mundane as giving completion to the whole world and as deifying visible bodies for each of these is divine not on account of soul for soul is not primarily a god nor on account of intellect for intellect is not the same with the one but each of these visible bodies is animated indeed on account of soul and moved of itself but it possesses a perpetual sameness of subsistence and is moved in the most excellent order on account of intellect it is however divine on account of union 
and if it possesses a providential power, it possesses it through this cause. Proposition 166. Every intellect is either imparticipable or participable, and if participable, it is either participated by supermundane or by mundane souls. For imparticipable intellect, having the first order, is the leader of every multitude of intellects. But of participable intellects, some illuminate supermundane and imparticipable soul, but others the mundane soul. For the mundane multitude is not immediately derived from the imparticipable, since progressions are through similars. But that which is separate from the world is more similar to the imparticipable than that which is divided about it. Nor has a supermundane multitude alone a subsistence. But there are also mundane intellects, since there is likewise a mundane multitude of gods, and the world itself is animated, and at the same time intellectual. The participation also of the supermundane gods by mundane souls is through mundane intellects as the media. Proposition 167 Every intellect intellectually perceives itself, but the first intellect indeed perceives itself alone, and in this intellect and the intelligible are one in number. But each of the subsequent intellects perceives itself, and the natures prior to itself, and the intelligible to each of these is partly that which it is, and partly that from which it is derived. For every intellect either intellectually perceives itself, or that which is above, or that which is posterior to itself, but if indeed it perceives that which is posterior to itself, it will through intellect be converted to that which is less excellent than itself, and thus will not know that to which it is converted, as not being in itself, but external to itself. But it will only know the image of this thing, as being generated in itself from it, for it knows that which it possesses, and the manner in which it is affected, but not that which it does not possess, and by which it is not affected. But if it perceives that which is above itself, if indeed this is accomplished through the knowledge of itself, it will at one and the same time both know itself and that superior nature. But if it knows that alone, it will be ignorant of itself, though it is intellect. In short, by knowing that which is prior to itself, it will know that it is a cause, and will also know the things of which it is the cause. For if it is ignorant of these, it will likewise be ignorant of that which is the cause of them, not knowing that which produces what it produces, by its very being and what the things are which it does produce. Hence, by knowing the things of which it is the cause, 
it will also know itself as deriving its subsistence from thence by knowing therefore that which is prior to itself it will likewise entirely know itself hence if there is a certain intelligible intellect this by knowing itself will also know the intelligible being itself intelligible but each of the intellects posterior to this will intellectually perceive the intelligible which is in itself and at the same time that which is prior to itself hence in intellect there is the intelligible and in the intelligible intellect but one intellect is the same with the intelligible and another is the same with the intelligible which is in itself but is not the same with the intelligible prior to itself for that which is simply intelligible is one thing and the intelligible in that which intellectually perceives is another proposition one hundred sixty eight every intellect knows in energy that which it intellectually perceives and it is not the peculiarity of one part of it to perceive and of another to perceive that it perceives for if it is intellect in energy and perceives itself as not anything different from the object of intellectual perception it will know itself and see itself but seeing that which perceives intellectually and knowing that which sees it will know that it is intellect in energy but knowing this it will know that it perceives intellectually and will not alone know the objects of its intellection hence it will at once both know the intelligible and that it intellectually perceives it and by intellection it will be intellectually perceived by itself proposition one hundred sixty nine every intellect has its essence power and energy in eternity for if it intellectually perceives itself and intellect is the same with the intelligible intelligence also is the same with intellect and the intelligible for being the medium between that which intellectually perceives and the object of intellectual perception and these being the same intelligence also will be the same with both moreover that the essence of intellect is eternal is evident for the whole of it subsists at once and this being the case intelligence also will be eternal since it is the same with the essence of intellect but if intellect is eternal it will not be measured by time neither according to its being nor its energy but these subsisting with invariable sameness the power also of intellect will be eternal proposition one hundred seventy every intellect at once intellectually perceives all things but imparticipable intellect indeed simply perceives all things and each of the intellects posterior to it perceives all things according to one 
for if every intellect establishes its essence in eternity and together with its essence its energy it will intellectually perceive all things at once for to every thing which is not established in eternity the successive objects of its perception subsist according to parts for everything which is successive is in time the successive consisting of prior and posterior but the whole of it not existing at once if therefore all intellects similarly perceive all things they will not differ from each other for if they perceive all things similarly they are similarly all things since they are the very things which they intellectually perceive but being similarly all things one intellect will not be imparticipable and another not for their essences are the same things as the objects of their intellection since the intellection of each is the same with the being of each and each is both intellection and essence it remains therefore either that each intellect does not similarly perceive all things but one thing or more than one but not all things at once or that it perceives all things according to one to assert however that each intellect does not perceive all things is to make intellect to be ignorant of some particular being for if it suffers transition in its energy and intellectually perceives not at once but according to prior and posterior at the same time possessing an immovable nature it will be inferior to soul which understands all things in being moved or in immutable energy because intellect on this hypothesis will only understand one thing by its permanent energy it will therefore understand all things according to one for it either intellectually perceives all things or one thing or all things according to the one of intellection for in all intellects indeed there is always an intellectual perception of all things yet so as to bound all things in one of all hence there is something predominant in intellection and the objects of intellection since all things are at once understood as one through the domination of one which characterizes all things with itself proposition 171 every intellect is an impartable essence for if it is without magnitude incorporeal and immovable it is impartible for everything which in any way whatever is partible is either partible on account of magnitude or multitude or on account of energies which are borne along with the flux of time but intellect is eternal according to all things and is beyond bodies and the multitude which is in it is united it is therefore impartible that intellect also is incorporeal is manifest from its conversion to itself for no body is converted to itself but that it is eternal 
the identity of its energy with its essence evinces for this has been before demonstrated and that the multitude in it is united is evident from the continuity of intellectual multitude with the divine unities for these are the first multitude but intellects are next to these hence though every intellect is a multitude yet it is an united multitude for prior to that which is divided that which is collected into profound union and is nearer to the one subsists proposition 172 every intellect is proximately the producing cause of beings perpetual and immutable according to essence for everything which is produced by an immovable cause is immutable according to essence but immovable intellect being all things eternally and abiding in eternity produces by its very being that which it produces if however it always is and is invariably the same it always produces and after the same manner hence it is not the cause of things which sometimes have existence and at other times not but it is the cause of things which always exist proposition 173 every intellect is intellectually both the things which are prior and posterior to itself for it is those things which are posterior to itself according to cause but those things which are prior to itself according to participation yet it is still intellect and is allotted an intellectual essence hence it defines all things according to its essence both such as are according to cause and such as are according to participation for everything participates of more excellent beings in such a way as it is naturally adapted to participate and not according to their subsistence for otherwise they would be similarly participated by all things participations therefore are according to the peculiarity and power of the participants hence in intellect the natures prior to it subsist intellectually but intellect is likewise intellectually the things posterior to itself for it does not consist of its effects nor does it contain these but the causes of these in itself but intellect is by its very being the cause of all things and the very being of it is intellectual hence it contains intellectually the causes of all things so that every intellect possesses all things intellectually both such as are prior and such as are posterior to it as therefore every intellect contains intelligibles intellectually so likewise it contains sensibles intellectually proposition 174 every intellect gives subsistence to things posterior to itself by intellection and its fabrication consists in intellection and its intellection or intelligence in fabrication 
for if intelligible and intellect are the same the essence also of every intellect will be the same with the intellection in itself but it produces that which it produces by essence and produces according to the very being which it is by intellection therefore it will produce the things which are produced for in intellect being and intellection are both of them one for intellect is the same with every being which it contains if therefore it makes by its very being but its very being is intellection it makes by intellection intelligence also which is in energy consists in intellection but this is the same with the essence of intellect and the essence of intellect consists in producing for that which produces immovably always possesses its very being in producing the intelligence of intellect therefore consists in fabrication or production proposition 175 every intellect is primarily participated by those natures which are intellectual both according to essence and according to energy for it is necessary that it should either be participated by these or by other natures which possess indeed an intellectual essence but do not always energize intellectually it is however impossible that it should be participated by the latter of these for the energy of intellect is immovable and hence the natures by which it is participated always participate of intellectual energy which always causes the participants of it to be intellectual for that which possesses its energy in a certain part of time is unadapted to be conjoined with an eternal energy but that which has perfection according to the whole of time is the medium between every eternal energy and that which is perfect in a certain time as well in the mutations of energy as in essences for progressions are never effected without a medium but through kindred and similar natures both according to hypostases and the perfections of energies after a similar manner therefore every intellect is primarily participated by those beings that are able to perceive intellectually according to the whole of time and who always energize intellectually though their intellection is in time and is not eternally in energy corollary from this therefore it is evident that it is impossible for the soul which sometimes perceives intellectually and sometimes does not to participate proximately of intellect proposition 176 all intellectual forms are in each other and each is at the same time separate and distinct from the rest for if every intellect is impartible and the multitude which is in it is united through intellectual impartability all things in it will be in one impartibles will be united to each other and all intellectual forms will pervade through all but if all intellectual forms subsist immaterially 
and incorporeally, they are unconfused with each other and separate, and each preserving its own purity remains that which it is. The peculiar participation, however, of each participating in a separate manner, manifests the unconfused nature of intellectual forms. For, unless the forms which are participated were distinguished separate from each other, the participants of each of them would not participate in a separate manner, but in the subordinate natures, est, in the participants, there would be, in a much greater degree, an indistinct confusion, these being according to their order of an inferior condition. For whence would there be a separation of these, if the natures which give subsistence to, and perfect them, were without distinction, and were confused together? But again, the impartable hypostasis, and uniform essence of that which contains forms evinces their united nature. For things which have their hyparxes in the impartable and the uniform are impartably in the same thing. For how can you divide the impartable and the one? Hence they have a simultaneous subsistence and are in each other, each wholly pervading through the whole of each, in a manner unaccompanied with interval. For that which comprehends them is not extended with interval, nor is one of them in this thing, but another elsewhere, as in that which has interval. But everything is at once in the impartable and in one, so that all intellectual forms are in each other, and are in each other unitedly, and at the same time each is distinctly apart from each. Corollary. But if some one, in addition to these demonstrations, should require also examples, let him direct his attention to the theorems which exist in one soul. For all these are in the same essence, which is truly without magnitude, and are united to each other. For that which is without magnitude does not locally contain the things which are in it. But the natures which it contains are united and separated, impartably and without interval. For the soul genuinely produces all things, and each apart from each, attracting nothing from the rest, which, unless they were always separated according to habit, would not be separated by the energy of the soul. Proposition 177. Every intellect, being a plenitude of forms, one indeed is comprehensive of more total, but another of more partial forms. And the superior intellects contain in a more total manner such things as those posterior to them contain more partially. But the inferior intellects contain more partially such things as those that are prior to them contain more totally. For the superior intellects employ greater powers, having more the form of the one than secondary intellects. But the inferior intellects, being more multiplied, diminish the powers which they contain. For 
things that are more allied to the one, being contracted in quantity, surpass the natures that are posterior to them. And, on the contrary, things more remote from the one, as they are increased in quantity, are inferior to the natures that are nearer to the one. Hence, the superior intellects, being established according to a greater power, but being less in multitude, produce a greater number of effects according to power through fewer things according to the quantity of forms. But the intellects posterior to them produce fewer effects through a greater number of things according to a defect of power. If, therefore, the former produce a greater number of effects through fewer things, the forms in them are more total, and if the latter produce fewer effects through a greater number of things, the forms in them are more partial. Corollary Hence it happens that the natures which are generated from superior intellects according to one form are produced in a divided manner from secondary intellects according to many ideas, and again those natures which are produced by inferior intellects through many and distinct forms are produced by superior intellects through fewer but more total forms. And that indeed which is a whole and common accedes supernally to all its participants, but that which is divided and peculiar accedes from secondary intellects. Hence, secondary intellects, by the more partial separation of peculiarities, accurately and subtly distinguish the formations of primary intellects. Proposition 178. Every intellectual form gives subsistence to eternal natures. For, if every intellectual form is eternal and immovable, it is essentially the cause of immutable and eternal hypostases, but not of such as are generated and corrupted, so that everything which subsists according to an intellectual form is an eternal intellectual nature. For if all forms produce things posterior to themselves by their very being, but their essence possesses an invariable sameness of subsistence, the things produced by them will also be invariably the same, and will be eternal. Hence, neither the genera which subsist from a formal cause, according to a certain time, nor corruptible natures, so far as they are corruptible, have a pre-existent intellectual form. For they would be incorruptible and unbegotten, if they derived their hypostasis from intellectual forms. Proposition 179. Every intellectual number is bounded. For, if there is another multitude posterior to this, essentially inferior to it, and thus more remote from the one, but the intellectual number is nearer to the one, and if that which is nearer to the one is less according to quantity, but that which is more remote from it is more according to quantity, 
if this be the case the intellectual number also will be less than every multitude posterior to it hence it is not infinite the multitude of intellects therefore is bounded for that which is less than a certain thing is not infinite because the infinite so far as infinite is not less than anything End of Proposition 179